0: Listening to Law and Gospel on this Wednesday, July the 26th, in the year of our Lord 2023. I'm Pastor Tom Baker, and what we have been doing on Wednesdays is taking a look at readings from the book of Proverbs. The book of Proverbs primarily was written by Solomon, although there are some chapters written by others, and it is Solomon really talking. First of all, to his son, trying to bring him up in the proper nurture and admonition of the Lord. Do you want to know how God thinks? Do you want to know what he thinks of you? Then you want to read the book of Proverbs. And there's a lot in the book of Proverbs that even in the English is not understandable. It's, it's one of those books of the Bible that unless you know the original Hebrew or the original Greek, or particularly today, the culture of that day, you will not understand what Solomon is writing about. We're going to be looking at Proverbs 22, beginning with verse 17. Now, actually, this is a section uh, proverbs twenty two verse seventeen through proverbs twenty four verse twenty two and i'll explain to you in a few moments why that is so important these proverbs also can be titled in certain ways and this is solomon's introduction to the wisdom of wise People. And so that's what we're going to be looking at. Wisdom of wise people. Verse 17 Incline your ear and hear the words of the wise. That's how Proverbs begins this section. Incline your ear. What does that mean? Well, another way of looking at it is to extend your ear, or, in very plain English, open your ear and hear the words of the wise. Now, when you go through the book of Proverbs, there are certain words that have a definite meaning, and this is one of them, the word of the wise. This is referring to the words of Jesus Christ himself. He is the wisdom of God. In fact, if you go to Matthew 12, verse 42, it reads, one greater than Solomon is here. And that's referring to Jesus Christ. So Jesus, yes, Solomon was wise, but Jesus is far more wise than even Solomon was. Remember, unfortunately, Solomon ended up marrying a bunch of women from other nationalities in order that he would not have to go to war uh, against their fathers. And we're going to see that in a few minutes. But be that as it may, there were times that Solomon allowed these women to set up their own idols and worship them. Jesus never did that. In fact, it reminds us of the transfiguration. Jesus is on the mountain, and what does God the Father say? This is my beloved Son. Listen to him now we don't just listen to jesus in the new testament we actually listen to jesus throughout all 66 books of the bible in fact he's in the first 3 verses of the bible when it says and god said let there be light that's referring to jesus who according to john chapter 1 That gospel. Everything was made by Jesus. Everything was created through him. And and therefore, in the first three verses of the Bible, you have God the Father in the first verse. You have God the Holy Spirit over the face of the waters. And then you have Jesus in the third verse, let there be light. So Jesus is found throughout the Old Testament. Uh, A lot of times he's found when he talks about the angel of the Lord. The best example of that, of course, Moses is on Mount Sinai, and he's in front of a burning bush. And it is Jesus who is that burning bush. He calls himself the name of God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And he therefore gives the instructions to Moses to go to Egypt and free the Israelites from 400 years of slavery. Of course, Moses doesn't think he's able to do that. So... God says, I will be with you. And of course, God sends 10 plagues to Egypt. And even when Pharaoh says, okay, we'll let them go, he changes his mind, chases after them. And the Israelites are really afraid because they're stuck between Pharaoh and the Red Sea. God opens up the Red Sea and allows them to travel through. And when the Egyptians attempt to follow them, they are drowned in the waters of the Red Sea. Now, it's kind of interesting. When I was at the seminary, there was one professor there who said that the reason the Israelites went across the Red Sea is they were in boats, and that the Egyptians could not follow them is because the Red Sea was very shallow and therefore their chariots sank in the mud. And that's how they could not catch up to the Israelites. That's what one professor taught us. Uh, Another teacher, uh, not at the seminary, said that... Well, the water had turned to ice, and so they went through on the ice, and then it melted and drowned the Egyptians. Well, why don't people just listen to the Bible? God created two walls of water by the wind, and they went through the Red Sea and were taken to safety. So, God is the wise one. It's very important that we listen to him. Verse 18. For it will be pleasant if you keep them within you, if all of them are ready on your lips. Now, you can't tell by the English but you and your lips is that referring to a singular individual or is it referring to the people of Solomon's day you can't tell by the english but when you look at the hebrew it's in the singular what is paul i'm sorry what is solomon talking about He's talking to his son. It will be pleasant internally if you keep the words of the wise. In other words, within you, the word you is in the singular. This is instruction to his son. Something that Martin Luther suggested that parents do in bringing their children up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Fathers, for example, should share with their children Luther's small catechism. Now, Luther himself wrote that, but he would read it often because he kept seeing things in it that he had either forgotten or that were really good for him. And so the catechism is something we also use in youth confirmation. That's where youth may sometimes go to three years of classes, starting in grade six, seven, and eight, if there's a parochial school. And for adult instruction, it's not unusual that I've had adult instruction classes that went 15 weeks. Because until you start your adult instruction class, you don't know with whom you are speaking. And I've spoken with people who are not Lutheran at all, but they're not even Christian. They may be Jehovah Witness. They may be Mormon. They may be another religion outside of Christianity. Or they may be of another Christian faith. In the area I was living in for 28 years, the majority of people were either Southern Baptists or Roman Catholic, and it was a lot of fun because much of what they believed is also true according to the Bible, but then we could give them insights into what they were unaware of. And that is why it became pleasant for them internally to keep the words of the wise within them. In fact, when you go to a funeral, you may walk into a funeral of a loved one and feel very sad and in grief. When you leave the funeral, you still may have grief, but you now have a grief that also has a sure hope. And that sure hope is due to the promises of Jesus Christ who has promised to save those who trust in him. And therefore, even at the death of a loved one, we will see them again in heaven. That is how the wisdom of God becomes internally pleasant within us. And it also says in verse 18, if all of these words of wisdom are ready on your lips, and the word your again, singular or plural, it's in the singular. Solomon is talking to his son that he wants his son also to be ready. In other words, to share the message of Jesus Christ with others. Now, this occurs as a child is brought up in a Christian family, attending Sunday school, attending church, attending vacation Bible school, having Bible studies at home, led by the parents. And then they are ready on their lips. In fact, when we had vacation Bible school, we would encourage those in our Sunday school to invite their friends and neighbors in order to come to Vacation Bible School. And we would have a wonderful time. It was usually done on a Saturday where we would have lessons from the Scripture, and then we would also play various games. We could play hockey, shuffleboard, etc. And then also, we would have pizza at the end of the class. And their parents were invited to come. We had a chance to talk to their parents. And also, some of those children became also members of the congregation. So, verse 19 is very, very important. The English goes this way that your trust may be in the Lord. Now, when you look at other languages, they have different ways of emphasizing something. And in this particular Hebrew, what they emphasize is the opposite of what the English says. The English says that your trust may be in the Lord, but the actual Hebrew reads, in the Lord may your trust be. This is because you are extending and inclining your ear to hear the words of the wise. It is the essence of the Reformation that we are not saved by our works. It doesn't say that you may be in the Lord because of your obedience, no, that would be law. And nobody is sufficiently obedient to save themselves. But to be in the Lord means that you trust him. The word trust is just another way of saying faith. And that comes about by the gift of the Holy Spirit, particularly In baptism. And the rest of verse 19 says. I have made them known to you. Today. Even to you. What has God made known to you. Today. He has made known to you. His promises. Even to you. And that's in the singular also. With Solomon addressing his son. This is a good practice for parents to be doing in bringing their children into a knowledge of God's wisdom. And you find God's wisdom by simply reading what Jesus has to say, listening to him, as God the Father said, on the Mount of Transfiguration. Then we get to verse 20, which is very interesting. Have I not written for you 30 sayings of counsel and knowledge? What is that talking about? Well, there were 30 sayings of what's called the wisdom of Amenipope, Amenipope was an Egyptian and he wrote how to be kind to your neighbor and also he had how to be wise with other people. And it appears that Solomon took some of those sayings from Amenipope and crystallized them In other words, made them dealing with Jesus himself. And there are 30 sayings, but what's interesting is that this literature was written 100 years before Solomon penned the Proverbs by the gift of the Holy Spirit but he was looking at what other people said or did. We find that also happening even in the New Testament. Paul goes to Mars Hill. He sees an idol to an unknown God. Now, these people, they have an unknown God, but they don't know who he is. Well, Paul picks that up and says, I will tell you who that unknown God is. That unknown God that you are looking for is none other than Jesus Christ himself. And so even Paul and other parts of the Bible will use the poetry of individuals who may not be believers, but they still have insights into God's wisdom. And therefore, in verse 20, it says, Have I not written for you 30 sayings of counsel and knowledge? And it just so happens that the sayings of Amenopope are 30 of them. So Solomon does borrow. In fact, we do that a lot in doing sermons. Jesus really did it in doing parables. He would take daily items, like a sower goes out to seed, to sow seed, and he uses that to show the kind of people who hear that. Some hear it, and they lose it right away because they don't have root in their seed. And then there are those who bear fruit 30, 50, and 100 times. Those are believers. Jesus, in many of his parables, uses the language of his day to make a point. And why does Jesus do that? He does that Because you and I cannot really understand God. And therefore, God has to make it more simple for us. And he does that by using parables, by using metaphors, by using similes. Like your whole salvation is also used by Jesus as a shepherd who goes out to look for a lost sheep. He finds the lost sheep. Note that the lost sheep does not find him. He picks the lost sheep up. Note that the lost sheep doesn't jump up on his shoulders. He carries the lost sheep home. And there's rejoicing. That's a way that Jesus uses what's pretty common to individuals. Although a lot of times a sheep is so heavy that a shepherd would not carry the sheep back home, but he would lead it with his staff or with his crook. In other words, Jesus always puts an element into the parable that from the point of view of the people listening doesn't make any sense, but it truly makes sense to believers. Because this is God's counsel. It is his knowledge. And that's why verse 21 kind of summarizes why we bring children up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. To make you know, and the you again is singular, what is right and true. When you get a newborn child, they are born with original sin. They need to be trained according to the will of God. And the more that that child is trained, the more they listen to God's Word, then that's how they live their life later on. For example, we had three children— And as they were growing up, well, they were occasionally naughty or disobedient. Now that they have grown and they're much older, well, I I don't remember times when they're disobedient anymore. They really love us, their mother and father. They take care of us. They want us to be around. They invite us over to dinner we have great conversation with them because that's what happened. As they were brought up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord, they came to love us in such a way that they no longer wanted to disobey us. That's what happens with Christian children. That's what happens with Christians. The more they hear what Jesus has done for them, the more they get to love him and the more they want to obey him. Not because they have to. They don't live under a father, God, who says, you better do this or you're not saved. Because you can't do that. You cannot obey his commandments. They are too hard for us. But the Holy Spirit has given us insight he has gives gives us the strength to obey his commandments and he does that by first getting to love Jesus so much as well as God the Father and God the Holy Spirit that we do not want to misbehave we want to serve them and that's what's going to be happening in heaven we're going to have an eternity of service to God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And all because God first so loved us that he proved it by giving his only begotten Son that whoever trusts his promises Will be saved and your sins will be forgiven. It's interesting to note that in this Proverbs it talks about that things will be pleasant within you. That means you will have eternal pleasantness to deal with life. That's because of the promises. Of Jesus Christ. I'm Tom Baker. Join me tomorrow for additional knowledge of law and gospel. Until then, God bless you.